Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, um, sorry about that. Okay, so we're going to start a new series, and that really corresponds well to the beginning of the year. I didn't plan it that way, but that's how it's going to start, is right here at the beginning of the year. And I'm kind of excited for this introduction. This is basically going to be one long introduction or one short sermon, whichever way you want to look at it. But basically, I don't want to tell you exactly what our new series is going to be about yet, because that's going to help, I think, you think it through the introduction. And so what I'm going to do is kind of have a little bit of a discussion here, and then I'll introduce the topic of our new series, which is going to be um, kind of a theme slash going through a book. So if we want to do the PowerPoint here, our first question, discussion question, All right, our first dis discussion question is, what was the mission or work that Jesus came to earth to accomplish? So I'm going to ask you guys what you think, and there's actually quite a few right answers about this. You might just think of verses, even, uh, that come to your mind. I'll give you an example, one example. Verse might be, this isn't what we're going to talk about today, but someone might say, well, Matthew 15, 17 says... Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So one of the reasons Jesus came was to fulfill the law. There's quite a few verses that have different emphasis, but all say Jesus came for a purpose. And I just wanted to open it up and see what comes to your mind when you think Jesus came on the earth to what? And if a verse comes to your mind that you can quote or paraphrase great, and if it doesn't, um, maybe someone else could supply the verse. So, John three seventeen. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. That's good. Yeah, John three seventeen. That's really good. In John one twenty nine, it says, "The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold." The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's good, yeah. In Luke 19, 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's good. When the angel was telling Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Yep, that's good. Yep. That's not the uh, right translation, but I think that was the thought. Yeah, I think that's John 10. I'm not, I might be off on that, but I think that one's John 10. Um, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come. They, may, they might have life. I think that's where that is. All right, well, there's a couple more that... Um, one I thought that people would say that kind of comes to my mind is the, the um, Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's one that comes to my mind, uh, Matthew twenty twenty eight. I think there's kind of a version of that in, in Mark as well. I had some of the ones you guys wrote down as well. 
And a lot of them have a similar meaning, but phrase it in a little bit of a different way. There's other verses that they're all kind of facets of Jesus's one mission that he came. He, he came to fulfill an overarching mission that includes fulfilling the law, includes saving us from our sins, serving us. It's all tied into his, it's all a unified mission with different facets. Uh, describing the same reason he came all in a little bit different way or different phrasing. There's some that are more obscure and harder at the very beginning to see how they fit in. The coming to seek and save the lost and coming to die as a lamb, very easily you can uh, put those together and see how they fit together. There's others that are a little bit more tricky and a little bit more obscure. I'll give you one that I didn't think anyone would say, but it's kind of a surprising one. Luke 12, 49 through 52 says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. So that's a very different take, at least that particular verse. You see somewhat of the same content there. You see that he's coming... He has a baptism to be baptized with, you know, to die on the cross, the, the baptism of the wrath of God upon him. And um, you see conversion there. People are going to be divided, separated. And so that's a different one. That's more obscure. But I just want to introduce the topic that Jesus came. He had a, he had a specific mission. And also that there's different facets of that specific mission. And we tend to focus on rightly, I think, the atonement, but there's also other pieces as well, and so I just want to kind of introduce that and think about how there's pretty major things that Jesus came to do, like fulfill the law, that at least for me don't immediately come to mind, and the purpose of this particular series is to explore one of those more surprising, perhaps more neglected reasons for which Christ came, and to introduce and highlight the surprising nature of this particular topic that I want to talk about, I want to ask you two more questions, kind of in a um, PowerPoint here. We're going to go to the second slide. So I'm going to introduce two quotes to you here. The first one is from J.I. Packer, and if you have a pen or paper or maybe you don't and you just want to think, I want you to think, how would you fill in these blanks here? What would you guess maybe that would be supplied here in this quote? Now here's the quote. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought blank and blank. If, it is, if this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. So I'm going to read it, just the, at least the beginning part, one more time slowly. Just think about what you might think would come in here. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought blank and blank. I'm just going to give you a second to think. 
you know, just from what we just talked about, many of the things we said about Jesus' mission would be things like, our sins are forgiven, Jesus paid for them. Um, Something like that might be what you'd expect. Or that we're right with God through the blood of Jesus. Something like that might be what you would expect from what we just read. That's not going to be what, what, what it is. It's going to be something else, something more surprising. I'm not expecting you to guess it or feel bad that you can't guess it. That's kind of the reason I'm highlighting this is just because it's unexpected. And just to get you to think about, in some ways, the surprising nature of the topic of our series. Let's go on to the next quote here. And we'll come back in a little bit and fill in these these blanks. But we'll go on to the next quote. From This is from Thomas Mail. Okay, and this is about the same theme that we're about to talk about, but again, blank. So I want you just to think about, again, what you would think would go in here. If you have paper, you could jot it down, what you might think. We see that the word blank is nothing less than a quintessential concentration of the central conviction out of which Jesus lived and worked. If we do not know blank, we know nothing about him, Jesus, at all. Now, the reason I want to bring these up is when we fill these in, if they're so surprising to you what they would put in there, it makes me think maybe we should consider it more. You know, this is something that both Packer and Smale are saying is essential, is at the center of what Christianity is. And I would be very surprised if a lot of you, maybe, I would be surprised if even half had what we're about to talk about in their mind. I I certainly didn't. This has been a surprising topic to me. So let's go ahead and read the verses here. Read some verses from John. A lot of you quoted from John, which is interesting, because that's the book we're going to be going through this this next series. And let's jump to John 17, if you would, with me, and let's read it together. John 17, and I'm going to start in just in verse 1. We are going to skip some verses here. We're going to skip some of the verses because I'm highlighting a specific point. But let's start in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So let's stop right there. So this passage is where I want to start to talk about Jesus' mission, one of Jesus' missions, a facet of the overarching mission that Jesus came to accomplish in the world. And it's kind of surprising here of what he talks about in John 17. And it really fits in with this key theme in in the whole Gospel of John that we're going to talk about. But look with me here at verse 4, because he starts to talk about the work 
that he came to do. I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So this is surprising because he hasn't gone to the cross yet. Jesus has not died on the cross. Jesus hasn't satisfied the wrath of God yet. He hasn't said on the, like he will on the cross, it is finished or it is accomplished. But he's saying, I have already accomplished something. What is that? What is, there's some piece of his mission that he's saying, I've accomplished it. What is that? And we know it's not the atonement yet. It's not, that's not fully completed yet. What is it that he came to do that was accomplished before he died on the cross? Well, let's look here at the next verse. Thankfully, we don't have to guess. We can see Jesus actually goes on just to tell us what this was that he accomplished. Look at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So the mission that I want to focus on in this series and in this introductory sermon today is the mission that Jesus came to manifest to us a name of God, to tell us who God is. And he said that he manifested this name. He's already done it at this time, and that's one of the works that the Father had given him to accomplish now, what's the name? What's the name that he gave and manifested or showed to the disciples? What's well, the name Father? And you see that over and over here. He says, Father, the hour has come. And he talks about, Father, glorify me in your presence. And then he says, I have manifested your name. Now, notice he doesn't say, I have manifested our name. He doesn't say a name that covers both Jesus and the Father. He doesn't say, I've manifested my name. He says, Father, I've manifested your name. And so the name that Jesus came to show, one of the central missions of Jesus, a big part of it, especially in the Gospel of John, is to show us that God is our Father. And we can call God a new name, which is Father, that we, that we couldn't before, that we didn't know before, that wasn't clear and wasn't seen before, before Jesus came. This is a major theme in the New Testament. It's not only John's gospel, but in throughout scripture, but especially in John's gospel. And even throughout church history, this has been a major theme in church history that people have highlighted. Now, I want to make it really clear to you that I really believe that this name that Jesus manifested was the Father. So let's look at some other passages because I think it's clear here. But if we look at a few more passages, I think it will become even more clear. And so if you stay here in John 17, but you jump to the end of John 17, Jesus basically resays what he already said here. And let's just read that together at the end of John 17, starting in verse 25. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So Jesus starts and ends this prayer here talking about how he's manifested the name of the Father to them. And that's how he starts this sentence, O righteous Father, I have manifested your name. So it's very clear that it's the name Father that he's talking about. 
one more verse in John 17, if you jump right into the middle that makes this clear, is John 17, 11. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So we see that back-to-back statement there, Holy Father, keep them in your name. And that's the name that God gave to Jesus to show the world. Now, there's so many passages in John about God being our Father, but if this is a major theme in John, we would expect John to introduce this right at the very beginning in his introduction of John, in the prologue of John, and that's exactly what he does. So one more place I want you to turn, doing a lot of turning this morning in different verses, but I think it's helpful because I want you to be able to see it. I want you to feel like you can see that this really is what Jesus came to do. John chapter 1, if you want to jump to the prologue of John, John chapter 1. Again, going to skip around a little bit here. But John introduces his gospel and sets up many of the major themes here in this prologue. He talks about light. He talks about uh, salvation. He talks about people misunderstanding Jesus. He talks about becoming children of God. He talks about Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament. And he also talks about a big part of this. Actually, the way he begins and ends it is that Jesus is the Son from the Father that came to show us the Father. So let's look here, John chapter 1, starting at the very beginning. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Just a second here. So we're in the beginning of John chapter 1. Sorry about that. In the beginning of John chapter 1, John introduces the Trinity here. That's the central topic that he's kind of introducing here over and over. He starts out by calling Jesus the Word and the Father God and making it clear that Jesus is both God and with God. The distinction between the Trinity but also the unity of the Trinity. He was with God and he was God. And then as you go to the end of the prologue, if you jump down here to the end of the prologue, if you'll jump down to verse 14, he starts talking about that the word is Jesus and then God is the Father in that first section. So in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This is He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God. Who is at the Father's side? He has made him known. 
So Jesus here is described as someone who reveals God in a way that no one else had ever seen God before. Moses had seen God, right? That's what he just said. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and the law was given through Moses, and we know that Moses saw something of God. He saw a vision of God. It describes him as talking to God with God face to face. But Jesus is revealing something that Moses hasn't seen. A seeing of God in a way that no one else has ever seen God. Well, one, it's just the unmitted... I'm not sure exactly even how to say it. Seeing God directly. Moses saw God in a vision, but even then when Moses said, Can I see your glory? God had to put his hand over Moses. Jesus has seen God in a way no one else has seen God, but also Jesus is seeing God as Father. And that's new. And that's what it's saying here. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Jesus made known God as Father. Moses did not make God known as Father. Moses made God known in a way that is totally different from Jesus. He called God the I Am or Yahweh and those kind of names. And so this is different. So the first and really the only point today that I want to that I want to talk to you about I'm going to give you my one point like I said this is basically a long introduction here a long introduction of this topic as God as Father so I'm going to go ahead and go back to those quotes not necessarily the PowerPoint but I'm going to read you the quotes and fill in what J.R. Packer and Thomas Smale said earlier that we talked about. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, this is J.R. Packer's quote that we talked about earlier. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. So J.R. Packer is saying this is huge. This theme that is here in the Gospel of John all throughout is central to what it means to be a Christian and to understand Christianity is that God is our Father and we're his child, which is surprising to me. You know, a year ago, if you asked me to fill in that quote, I never would have guessed God being our father. Thomas Smale, this is a quote from him. We see that the word father is nothing less than a quintessential concentration of the central conviction out of which Jesus lived and worked. If we do not know that Jesus related to God as father, we know nothing about him at all. So Thomas Smale is saying this is so central, not only to Christianity, but to knowing who Jesus is. If we don't know that Jesus looked to God as his father, we don't know Jesus. That this is the central conviction out of which he lived, and it's the summary of how we ought to relate to God. So this is my one point that I want that I want you to take from this introduction. 
here's what I want you to know. Here's my one point today is that Jesus' mission, part of Jesus' mission to, in coming to the earth was so that we could know God as Father. I'll say that again. One of the central missions, one of the works of Jesus that he came to do was that we could know the name of God as Father. That's the one thing I want you to take away from this message here is just Jesus came. This is so important. Jesus came to do this, and so it's so important for us to know it. If he came all the way from heaven so that we could know God as Father, if Jesus became a man so we could know God as Father, that's so important. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to overlook it. The Gospel of John is filled with references to Jesus calling God Father, talking to others about God as Father, explaining to the disciples that God is their Father, over and over and over and over. It's one of the central themes of John. And so the plan for this series is just to go through the Gospel of John, not the whole Gospel of John. And it's not going to be necessarily an expositional series in terms of verse by verse. We're going to go through the whole book. But we're just going to look at the passages where it talks about God being our Father. It took us a long time to go through Philippians, which is significantly shorter. In fact, I think some of the chapters of John are almost as long as Philippians getting close to it. So the reality is is that it would take us a very long time to go through John just verse by verse, but if we cover just this one theme, it's still going to take quite a long time. But I want us to see that God is our Father is huge, it's important, it's what Jesus came to show us, and we're just going to go through the Gospel of John looking at those verses and, of course, pulling in verses from other books, but primarily in the Gospel of John, seeing how this theme is developed and communicated by Jesus and how important it is for us to understand it. And so it's going to be somewhat of a combination of expositional because we're going to be going through this one book and looking at the text and seeing what Jesus is teaching us. But we're going to be skipping quite a bit because we're just going to be focusing on this one theme in the book, if that makes sense. And so I don't know exactly how many weeks it's going to take but I, I would like to have more discussion, like kind of like we did at the beginning. And it's going to be a bit slower paced than Philippians. It's going to be a different series in that it's not going to be as directly practical. It's not going to be, here's five points this week, don't grumble, you know, this or that. It's going to be more theological, so it's going to be a little bit slower to develop. So it is going to be different. But one encouraging thing, this is, I guess, my second point today is it relates to that first point which is that God sent Jesus the father sent Jesus and Jesus came so that we could know God as father that we can take that and have confidence that God's going to help us and the reason we can have confidence is because Jesus not only did he come to do this to show us God as father but he promised he would continue to do this and so let's look at two more verses here and then we'll close in prayer so not only is this part of Jesus' central mission Jesus promised he would continue to make God known as Father so let's go ahead and turn here if you would with me to John chapter 16 we're going to look at two more verses and then we'll close John 16 verse 25 I have said these things to you in figures of speech 
The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. Jesus has promised, and we go later on, we will go into why this is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, and there's reasons for that that you can see in the text. We just don't have time today to go through it. But this text is saying, and Jesus is saying in this text, that he promises he's going to continue to make known to us and speak to us about the Father. He wants us to know the Father. He, that was his mission in coming to earth, but it didn't stop then. He's going to continue to make known to us who the Father is through the Holy Spirit. And just so you know, this isn't just what makes me even more confident. You know, we talk about, you know, James, don't, when you pray, don't doubt. Have faith. Don't be like a wave of the sea driven and tossed. One of the ways that we can pray and ask God One of the reasons we can pray and ask God to make himself known to us as our Father and be confident and have no doubting is because Jesus not only promised he would, that's enough, but he promised it repeatedly. And so we can just have great confidence that as we ask God, as we go through this series, would you make your name, would you reveal to us yourself as Father the way Jesus came to show us, would you do that? We can have great confidence that he will because he promised that he would. And not only once, but repeatedly. So look at, look again at John twenty, John 17, if you turn one more chapter, 25 and 26. He says it again. We actually already looked at these verses, but let's just read it one more time here. And just notice, not only the past tense, Jesus came to make the Father known, but he's going to continue to make the Father known. So 25 and 26. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, there's the past tense, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus promised that he would continue. He's going to continue. I will continue to make it known. He's going to continue to show us God as Father. And so we can just pray, please, Lord, do this. And so that's kind of the application for today would just be, would you just pray as we go through this series for us individually and as a church that God would, we would know God as Father better and we can have pray with confidence because he promised he would repeatedly. So why don't we go ahead and just do that here as we close is just pray, thank God that Jesus came to show him to show us God as Father, that God can be our Father and actually to accomplish that in the cross to make God our Father through his blood. Not only that, but pray that he would continue to do that in our hearts individually, but also as a church as we go through these verses. So let's just close here in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to show us God as Father and that we can call on God as Father now. And Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus so we could know you as Father. We do pray that you would show us yourself as Father as we read through these verses. Would you be more and more real to us in terms of your role towards us as a Father? And Jesus, would you do just what you promised you would do in our own hearts and in our life as a body that we would know you, Jesus, more and 
when we see the Father and know your mission on earth better, know you as the Son better, but also would you make known to us who the Father is just like you promised. We're looking to you. We're looking with confidence because of what you said, because of your promise. And would you cause it to affect our lives as we go throughout our day? Would you help us to look towards you in faith, Jesus, but also, Father, we want to look towards you in faith, um, both. And so we just hand that this whole series, this message today, and our church as a whole, we hand that to you. Trust you. Amen.